Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. AI used in a Northwestern study of police departments is showing that a small percentage of officers own a disproportionate share of the misconduct. The chip shortage is actually making the chip shortage worse because chip manufacturers can't get the chips they need to make the chips we need. The Amazon Union saga is far from over as it fires managers who didn't prevent the Staten Island warehouse from organizing right as that union's leader meets with the president and appears in front of Congress. And the fall of Roe v. Wade could have big effects on big tech. We discuss some of the ways tech companies are scrambling to protect employees and users and the massive amounts of data it collects. We've got all this and more in this Mother's Day episode of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Mr. Bidet. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, we fancy now. Yeah, buddy. So, <laughs> we uh, fancy. You got, you got to put your pinky up when you say that. Well, not my pinky, but. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, some, my father, for whatever reason, got us one of those uh, uh, bidets that you can install on your on existing toilet. toilet. Yeah. So um, I thought it was the dumbest gift ever. <laughs> sat on my sat in our bedroom for like three, four months. And today uh didn't have any, had some downtime and decided just to put it together, put it together, got my floor wet <laughs> in my bathroom. Cause the, the tank didn't, didn't uh um, it didn't empty out all the way. It was a little bit of left. So I had to clean up that up. Finally got everything together <laughs> Gave that brother that that, that, that joined a test drive. <laughs> I'm never going back. Change your life. <laughs> wow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'm in that camp. So I, you know what? And I I thought it was going to be some sort of uh, ashamed, embarrassed. Nope, nope. It does. It does. <laughs> I it mean, does, how who does, can be embarrassed about a clean? Hey, behind? man. You know mm. these these men these days. You know, I'm well, man, like man, masculinity man, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. No water go yeah, up yeah, and, and, and hey, I'm like, yeah. but you'll let poop sit there. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> you won't, you won't, you hey. won't let the water sit there, but you'll let the poop sit there. Like that don't make no sense. <laughs> I had never seen or heard of a bidet until I saw the movie Crocodile Dundee. That was that was my first experience to it. So then I was looking, uh, going whenever I would go to a hotel with my folks, I'm looking for one. And we clearly just wasn't going to the right type of hotels because they never had them. So uh, I just, I just, I will never forget that. It's like, it's for cleaning your backside. So Ray has a portable <laughs> bidet that she takes in public with her. Oh, wow. That's, that's extra. That's committed, I, right. You committed. I, I ain't on that level. To that bidet yeah. life yeah. At, at that point. Yeah, baby steps. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So y'all, let's, let's get into, uh, some tech stories. But before we do, um, we just want to shout out, we are recording on Mother's Day. We know that most of the people who are listening to this are going to listen to it on, on, on regular Tuesdays when it comes out, but we just want to give a shout out to all the mothers. And we know that we have some who are actually in our live stream with us right now. So just once again, happy Mother's Day. Happy. Um, and hope that you, uh, have, and I'll say it in the past, we hope you enjoyed your day when you finally do hear this. Um, but let's go ahead and get into some tech stories. It wasn't a heavy tech week last week, but there definitely was some stuff that, uh, you know, came out. And I think back to our episode zero where we talked about AI mm-hmm. and how AI adversely affects us. 
well, here's some news to where AI might be working in our favor. And I, I actually read this. It's like, I really enjoyed it. I had to actually go and read this a couple of times. I had to set up a VPN and, you know, basically do the triple deep to try to figure out how I could get this without having to go pay. Cause it, cause it, you know, it was a uh, paywall, uh, you know, where I, I was trying to read some additional information on it. But, uh, Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and tell us about why AI is actually working in our favor? Well, it, it felt like a full circle moment, you know, from, from that first episode. And, and so there, it, there was a recent study released where machine learning has identified, um, over 100 crews of police officers who, um, basically do the bulk of the police misconduct in their city. So they studied Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Philadelphia. Um, but this particular study, the most recent study came out was from the Chicago police department. And it found that, you know, these crews, the, these, these police officers sort of run in and, and crews, I'm gonna call them gangs. Cause that's what they sound like. Um, and, and, and do their policing together. They didn't say how many police officers were in the crews. I'd have to imagine between six and 10 or, or something of that nature. Um, but they didn't give time. a, yeah, they didn't give a specific number, but you know, no, I don't think any more than 10 of them, but you know, of these crews, um, the crews represent 4% of the total police force in, in a given city. And this was in Chicago specifically crews represent 4% of total police, but 25% of all police misconduct complaints in the department. So, you know, that, that, that's significant. That, that's definitely significant. You know, it's, it's saying something. And, and I just, I just liked the idea with this story that we were able to use the data, you know, and the same sort of AI and machine learning that they use to implicate us in everything um, to then turn that that mirror or that that data mirror uh, back on the police departments and get some hard numbers around, you know, the misconduct that is happening in these departments. So one of the things that uh, I, I, I saw in this story uh, that I really like, number one, they used the word elicitate. And, um, I haven't used that word since probably trying to sound smart writing a college paper back in the day. <laughs> but basically what there's, you know, what, uh, you know, some of the sociologists are showing or, or, or saying that this data might show is that, you know, how whenever you talk about police misconduct, that there is a certain segment of people, definitely law enforcement people. Mm -hmm. Well, those are just the bad apples. You can't yeah. cast this across everybody. You know, that, that is the first thing that comes out. Bad oh, apples, bad oh, apples, oh, bad apples. But what's actually with this study is showing is that, well, all those bad apples are probably coming from rotten trees because mm -hmm. it's a very, very small percentage that are actually causing the issues. Can you just think if it was, if this was an insurance company, you would get your insurance canceled if you were Wait. causing, you, you, you know, you know, here's 4% of our customer of our customers, here's 4% of our clients um, or our customers, I should say that are causing 25% of the times we got to pay money out. Right. Your stuff is going to get them four percent are getting dropped. Yeah. Their policies um, are getting dropped. Yeah, if 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 you have a workplace and you have four percent of your employees are causing twenty five percent of the HR complaints, they getting fired. They getting fired quick. But no when it comes to asked. the police, well, you, you know, it's just bad apples. And, you know, you have you have to it's like, you know, I know that the video and the audio from the video looks like this is what this officer was doing. But you have to really understand everything else that was going on. And it's just like um, this was just a really interesting one. It's like, wow. I mean, it, that's a that's a significant number. It is a quarter of all the stuff is coming from less than four percent of the officers, which means that you know who has the issues and you need to do something to address mm -hmm. the issues mm -hmm. because it's not like, well, here's a person that had an issue and then they're gone. If you, if you're in that, you know, that 4% and you keep doing these things at some point, You've got to say, it's like, okay, well, what's different about these, these officers as compared to these officers? If you're this truly going to do right. the bad apples, uh, you know, thing, why are you keeping those bad apples around so that they can basically spoil the bunch, you know, as far as everybody else is concerned? So I, you know, I looked at this and I had to double take on the numbers, like really 4% are causing a quarter of the issues mm -hmm. because mathematically that's, that's really, really hard to do. You know, it's not like Chicago only has 12 or 13 police officers. They have thousands of They're them. They're the second largest 
police department in the country with uh, over 14,000 police officers and, right. you know, almost a $1.5 billion budget. So, you know, the idea that you can reduce this to an individual problem is just not true. And these numbers make that statement, you know, without any further, you know, ability to question that logic. It's like these problems are systemic and they need to be dealt with in that way. What you think? It, you know, it just goes to show that if you're going to use the data, well, let me rephrase. If you're going to use the technology, if you're going to use AI, if you're going to use machine learning, if you're going to use all these things, you need to use it across the board. Right. You need to use it for everything. Right. In this case, you need to use it for police and, you know, um, any sort of, uh, uh, any sort of instance to where there has been a history of things going on. In this case, police department, police brutality, you know, all the things that people have been talking about that are an issue for decades, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody's been able to put a finger on it. Now, since we got this technology, you've been using it for all of these other things. Let's start to use it across the board. So hopefully it'll either, you know, the the data will get better, the technology gets better as it's used across the board versus used for these specific things. And then therefore, and then therefore you can't not necessarily get some of the bias out because there's always going to be bias. But if you take that technology and apply it to everything, mm-hmm. then you get a better understand. You get, you get more trust when the data pumps out X, Y, and Z when you're using it for everything, not just for specific instances. That's right. That's right. And you can't use it to, to target, you know, groups and, and specific individuals and, and, and not apply it unilaterally across, you know, any, cause any data can be used across any platform or industry or whatever. It was what I found interesting was, um, the, the idea of how these crews operate. And they, they gave some examples about crews in LA and in Oakland and, um, around the country and in Chicago. And they, they really are like gangs. That's why I said gangs, um, at first, because they talked about how one of the, the crews in Oakland had specific sign hand signals and specific language and specific, you know, code words and, and, and things like that. So it, it really is a, a endemic, a systemic sort of problem in these police departments. And, you know, 4% is, is a lot to, to 4% is not a lot. It's a lot when you talk about irresponsible for 25%, but it's not a lot when you talk about, let's just get rid of this 4% and let this other 96, you know, police our communities in the way that they were intended to. So, you know, the, at the end of the, the, the article kind of wrapped up was like, it, the will has to be there to want to make this change, um, ultimately. And, and I'm like, 4% ain't a lot. Just get rid of the 4%. I remember when the movie training day came out, that there were a lot of inf- law enforcement who are really upset that they, you know, how, how could you make a movie like this? Because you're making all police officers look bad. And it's like, no, I don't think you're making all police officers look bad. I just making you is making the, is bringing light to that. There are some bad police officers, you know, um, who are doing some, some heinous things. And we don't have to even come to this data to find that out. I mean, there right. are th- just over the course of history, there's things that have come out um, where, Oh, wow. I can't believe they were doing that. Well, you, you can believe it. You just didn't want to believe it when people mm-hmm. were telling you what was happening. Um, but this is interesting because it's actually, giving you data to show you that, hey, these officers, for whatever reason, seem to have an issue. You need to address it, whether it's going to be more training, whether it's going to be removing them from the ability to, uh, you know, carry weapons and, um, and do the things that they're doing. Whatever that case is, you now have the data, act on it, do something about it, because it's, it's not like it is just, you know, this person said it. Or it was, you know, well, they could have been having a bad day or this. It's like these are the folks who seem to be doing the same things over and over and over and over again. That's that's right. what the study is showing. So I just hope that, uh, you know, they take the data and they actually use it and they make these police departments better than what they are, because I, I've never been one to say all police officers are bad. Absolutely but not. I don't know which ones aren't. So it's like, I'm just, I'm just kind of sketchy, you know, you it, it, it the, all yeah, times. but if you have the data and the numbers to back up, you know, the, the dismissals or, or the suspensions or whatever needs to happen to these people, then you need to go ahead and do it. I'm looking for the, um, 
because there was a number for how much uh I think Chicago has paid out just based okay, yeah. Um so this was this was in this was in Los Angeles actually. They said there was, you know, their 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 crews that they had identified had cost the county like a hundred over a hundred million dollars in litigation. So it's like, you know, money always talks. So hopefully the amount of money that these cities and townships and 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 states are having to pay out in lawsuits will get them to take a fresh look at that 4% and say, y'all costing us way too much money. So mm-hmm. y'all got to go. Yep, and that, that typically is the bottom line in most, in most of these instances. Okay, guys. So for this next story, uh, this one came up. I put this in our rundown because, uh, you know, I have a, I have a big birthday coming up. Um, I want to be turning 50 in a few weeks. And so my, you know, because it is a, you know, you know, the big five old for me, uh, you know, my loved ones have been asking me what I want. And I, I, I've talked about it before. I have my eye on this camera that I've been wanting for, for a long time. And my wife finally told me, she's like, she's like, baby, I don't know if you're going to be able to get this camera. It's like, we, we just can't find it anywhere. So I go and I'm looking, it's like, you know, this thing has been on back order literally for months and months and months and months. And when you dig into the reason why it's because of the chip shortage. Mm -hmm. So I start just looking at, well, how, how is the chip shortage specifically affecting camera manufacturers? And it just led me to some other articles. And this is what's really interesting about the chip shortage right now. The chip shortage is actually making the chip shortage worse. (laughs) And the reason for that is that, um, you know, the, you know, the manufacturing that it takes to make microprocessors, you know, to make these chips, to do these things, it is some of the most advanced, um, technologically difficult manufacturing on the planet. And all the hardware that goes into these foundries, uh, requires immense amounts of computing power and immense amounts of chips to do the things that they do. Well, if there's no chips, they can't actually make the machine. So this article pointed out that, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about, uh, you know, what's happening here in the Columbus area. So, uh, Intel is actually building what, uh, they're calling it a super foundry. Uh, this will ultimately be a facility that will house eight total foundries. And it was something they were thinking about before the pandemic, but once the pandemic kind of hit in and this chip shortage started, you know, uh, you know, Columbus won the bid and their gun call there, they are literally expected to break ground if they haven't done it here in the next, you know, within, within days or weeks here in Columbus. So initially they were just going to kick everything off. Once again, this facility can house eight foundries. Mm-hmm. It initially was just going to be, we're going to start it off with just one. And then when the shortage kind of, you know, started coming in, it's like, oh, well, maybe we should do two, maybe even three to, to actually kick it off. The problem that they're having now is that uh, the the hardware that goes into these foundries, you know, the, the equipment that's required to make chips usually takes four to six months to order and actually get. Now they're saying these things are going to take two to three years to get to just because years. of Crazy. the shortage. So, so think about that. One of the reasons that we can't get chips, um, is because the machines required to make the chips can't get chips to make chips. machines. It's almost like it is like this perpetually. We can never like get you chips. Gotta, you got to spend money to make money. Yeah. You need chips to make chips, basically. Is that- this is how, to, this is how, to, uh, this is how, um, the robots take over. This is how Skynet starts mm-hmm. because somebody is going to cut some corners to get this production up. And they're going to uh, make a flaw. They're going to make a mistake. They're going to build something wrong. And that's going to fire off artificial intelligence. And our robots are going to be like, yeah, we ain't having that. And they're going to fire the robots. missiles. And then here we go. Uh, Terminator. <laughs> oh. yeah. it, it's so, a mess. It, it's a mess. And I, I was looking at it. There were there were some other issues around um, the shortage as well. Uh, hiring. They talked about hiring um, mm-hmm. some supply chain hiccups and getting the chemicals necessary and a shortage in the substrate that connects the chips to mm-hmm. the boards. Um, so so everything is is just, you know, we're just waiting around for a lot of stuff. But also because I was like, hold up. Because at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, there was this whole big thing about companies hoarding 
um, chips. And, and mm-hmm. from what I can understand and from what I've researched, there are a lot of companies still doing that. Oh, absolutely. Like, there. So it's just like, y'all need to stop, you know, even if you decide to jack up, up, up the cost or, you know, whatever you want to do because capitalism, you know, y'all need to stop sitting on these chips or you, you know, crazy idea, use them and, and make more product that people are also, you know, clamoring for. I think it, I think it just, it, I can't even say this is just greed. I, it, it seems like just some evil plot to to do something that you are still sitting on chips um, in your warehouses or wherever that you know are are, are critical for um, manufacturing globally. Um, that you would sit that you would sit on chips at this point to do to do yeah. what exactly. Yeah, hoarding is definitely an issue. It's not the biggest issue, but but it is an issue, and it's a it's a measurable one. It's like if well, if you're not making the stuff this week, this month, uh, even this quarter, let somebody else go ahead and make it. But like, no, nah, I ain't going to do that. If you, if you think it's just like it's just human nature, think about what we were doing at the beginning of pandemic, to where people were buying up all the Lysol, buying up all the See, toilet I paper. I know I, that's not my human uh, nature, though. I've never done that. Yeah, I've never so, run out and bought toilet paper when I knew it was going to snow. You know, uh, I've never run out and bought eggs and, and milk, you know, because I didn't think I was going to get out the house and for the next three days or whatever. Like, I just I just don't understand that on a fundamental <laughs> level. I really don't. But yeah, that, that was definitely one of the problems. But if you think about what, you know, why are we in this chip shortage? So essentially when the pandemics, you know, happened, you know, when it started going back to 2020, you know, or, you know, March of 2020, when Earth shut down, uh, people are now home all the time. And it's like, okay, I need a new computer. I need a new microphone. I'd like a better camera. They're, they're doing stuff more and more online because they couldn't go do stuff more and more out in the real world. Mm-hmm. So there's a demand on chips that was created by the pandemic. Well, um, when there's more demand, you need more supply. The problem is that all the folks who are working, you know, who, who are home now, who are basically displaced from work, they're not driving trucks. They're not working in foundries. They're not doing the things to actually create the chips. They're not actually moving the chips that have been created, uh, you know, in and out of, you know, um, ports and onto trucks and into, you know, additional manufacturing companies that are going to use the chips. There are probably still some ships somewhere sitting. Exactly. So unloaded. It's just like it's just like a compounding issue to where more people want stuff. The stuff that they want is not moving uh, from point A to point B. The stuff that they want is not being created. Uh, there's a war in Ukraine going on right now where I think they've got oh, like 25 percent of the uh, I can't I can't remember exactly. Is it neon maybe? But there there is a yeah. there is a and it, it, there's a gas that is necessary. Um, to make, uh, silicon. Well, yeah, half or not half, a quarter of the world supply is tied up in Ukraine right now. So there's just all these issues. And it's just like, man, so, so there's all of that. And now the machines that are necessary to make the chips can't even make the chips. So all that, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Terrence. I was going to say all around the world for you to tell us you're getting a tie for your 50th birthday. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 right. that's pretty much, uh, pretty much what I'm being told. Don't get so. a tie. Hopefully this motivates though, these chip manufacturers not to be so stingy in the future. Cause I think that was part of people hoarded them because they just did. Um, and, and that had, that had been going on before pandemic. Um, but, the 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 dribble that the chip manufacturers would would supply to everybody else that needed them um because they didn't want to hold extra you know inventory in their warehouses and and make more than they thought they could sell and all the rest of that like y'all y'all overcorrected way too much conservatively mm-hmm. with that so hopefully they will you know figure out a way to to correct back i i don't want to be super pessimistic on this but I just think that when it comes to companies, if there is no financial reason for them not to hoard the chips, for example, we're holding on to these chips that we aren't using. And because of that, we can't sell something because, you know, the things we use the chips for, uh, you know, they go into this other part and that company needs chips and they don't have them. Therefore we can't sell our stuff because they can't make their stuff. If it's not something like that, I know that that's getting into like three dimensional chess, but unless a company is saying that, and you know, if, if there is no financial reason, if there's no financial boon for us to release these chips that we aren't using, there's no reason they're going to do that. In the same way that if you had 12 giant packs of Charmin at the crib, you wasn't really trying to come up off of it unless it was someone that you knew. 
um, you know, you know, family member or something like that. But it's like I, I know for a fact that there are people who still have toilet paper that they bought, uh, you know, back in 2020 because they just bought so much of it. That's and right. it's like it's just sitting, sitting in the garage, sitting in a, you know, storage bin or something like that. So, um, I hope this stuff gets, uh, resolved. You know, they're saying, uh, you know, some people are saying, oh, we should be out of this by the end of 2022. No, that's, that's not going to be the case. At it's all. like 2025, maybe 2028, maybe it's, it, it's going to take us years to get up out of this. I don't think I need to buy anything else anytime soon. However, you just never know. I might want to buy something. Because I mean, you know, my, my computer is brand new. My, you know, I just got my shiny new microphone. Like, I don't think I need anything new yet. But well, I like the idea of, of being able to get it when I want it. Well, uh, you know, to go into this next story. Uh, or this next set of stories we're going to talk about. I may, I thought about it, talked to my wife about it. I may be coming off of Amazon Prime. I don't know because, you know, all that to say, I may be buying less stuff because, and maybe that alleviate the chip shortage because I'm not <laughs> feeling all these stories and all these things that are coming out of mega companies that are probably causing the chip shortage like Amazon because everybody's buying everything. They make that one less person buying stuff because I'm not feeling all the, the warmer fuzzies at the it, Amazon. It, the uh, guilt pangs is starting yeah, to get Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like your your I, environmental footprint is well not just that. You know, we I, I don't want to be one of the people to get on, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite, right? I'm trying not to be. I can't say I'm hundred percent mm-hmm hypocritic hypocrite free <laughs> but at the same time it's like if i've got a tech show or i'm a guest host of a tech show and all we talk about is what these crazy things these companies are doing and as soon as i get off the show it's like all right let me go buy so much you know it's like all right gotta pull back right <laughs> so so yeah wonderful lead into our amazon story because uh the the amazon union saga is is far from over so we talked about it i don't know if it was even a month ago about where uh the factory or factory the warehouse in staten island um actually uh got together and they decided to form a union Mm-hmm. And Christian yeah, Christian Smalls is the uh, is the president of said union, and he, he just actually was you know chilling with uh, you know President Biden and was with, talking with, to you know school folks in Congress with grills and his hat on backwards. I was like, see, yes. that's what I'm talking about. Keep it all away a bean. Keep yeah, it a bean. Yeah, he kept it a hundred thousand. It wasn't just a hundred <laughs> with it, but uh, but anyway, um, I'm looking at you know some of the stories here. So Amazon has just fired. Uh, I believe it was seven senior managers at the Staten Island warehouse. And what's, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, people are saying they don't want to be identified because they're worried about their jobs. But, you know, of these managers, several of them actually had recently been applauded for how good of an employee they were. All of these firings are coming outside of their review bands. Um, and it's just like, you know, well, we're just Amazon is yeah. just restructuring. You know, and it's like, yeah, you're restructuring because you got unionized. You know what I would say to that? Maybe the managers need a union. <laughs> so I'm just saying, because it so, sounds like they got fired for not busting this union up right. uh, effectively. Um, but, you know, they were in charge of of trying to put down this insurrection of, or, or this resurrection of union or this unionization or whatever you want to call it. They were tasked with with stopping it. And and clearly it did not work out like that. Um, and so they lost their jobs. And it, it just like, you know, like I said, if, if they had been in a union, then maybe they would still be employed right now. Right. So we, we talked about, uh, you know, you know, this Staten Island uh, factory that actually or I keep saying factory, but it's a warehouse that actually did uh, say, well, yeah, we're going to unionize. And then the news, you know, probably a couple of weeks later was that, well, there was a smaller uh, warehouse that they decided not to. Oh, okay. Well, you know, everything that the first one did was wrong. And this is why the second one isn't doing it. And that's not really the case. So, uh, Christian Smalls is on it. Like I said, he was just in front of, um, you know, you know, meeting with, uh, you know, uh, the president. He also, uh, you know, testified in front of Congress and, you know, he flat out schooled, uh, you know, uh, 
Lindsey Graham. Mm -hmm. um, Lindsey Graham was basically on, you know, all the, you know, all the bad things of why, you know, of, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, but all the bad things and all the bad reasons of why, you, you know, there shouldn't be unions and this and that and the other. And, you know, Christian Smalls, I actually watched this video a couple of times. He kind of came back and basically told him, it's like, look, man, it's like, this isn't a Democrat or a Republican, Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, issue. These are worker issues. It's like, we're being worked too hard. We don't have enough breaks. I mean, there's, there's real things that are, that are real issues that these things just can, you know, affect your constituents. So you shouldn't be looking at it through the lens of politics. And, you know, you, you could actually see Lindsey Graham had to actually sit back. There was not a whole lot he could hey, say to that because it. It, yeah. it was absolutely right. But, um, you know, what was also interesting is that, uh, you know, because he is, in, has been in front of Congress and he's been in front of the president, he has been e being interviewed everywhere so there was an interview where he was on um I believe C cnbc and he's talking to uh you know the you know the reporter or the you know the anchor of the show and he's talking about yeah um he just kind of casually said that every amazon factory in the country every single one he said even more because there's some outside of the country that have hit him up as well but every single amazon factory in the country uh, has contacted, you know, you know, him and his, you know, and basically these organizers of, of this union because they want to explore whether or not it makes sense, you know, for them. Listen, and you know, you, you can't tired. just dismiss this stuff. The um, people are tired. The people have spoken and talk about hypocrisy. Um, Amazon is challenging, um, the union in Staten Island based on uh, a couple of different things. One, they said the, the National Labor Relations Board was, was too skewed in favor of them, um, and the union effort. But then they also said they're also challenging them on the basis that they used aggressive, um, tactics to try to sway people to vote for them and then turn around in the article, it says company officials and consultants held more than 20 mandatory meetings per day with employees in the run up to the election in which they sought to persuade workers not to support the union. So, so like, let's, that's let's not do a some math. 20, 20 let's, let's do some math. How it's only 24 hours in a day. A day. It's only 20 hours, I mean, 24 hours in a day. They were doing meetings darn near hourly. I mean, think about that. <laughs> meetings they hourly. They had to be. It had probably was to keep a more often than that. I'm like, you now and now you probably penalize people for, for not, not getting their, their quotas mm -hmm. um that day because they had to go to these meetings. Um and it still didn't work. It's it just it's just so backwards. It's just so like how much is enough? Like, come on, Amazon, like knock it off. Y'all mm -hmm. got more money mm -hmm. than than you know. It it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. How much is yeah. enough? I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I am a product of union workers. Uh, all of my family worked one of two places. They worked in a, you know, in a car plant or they worked in a steel mill. That was it. My entire family on, on both sides of my family. That's, you know, and some of them still are, are doing these jobs. That's all that they did. And so I understand that, you know, you, you know, com you know, companies, you know, well, not companies, but, you know, people, uh, workers, they unionize because they want a better, uh, you know, a, a better lifestyle. They don't want to, uh, you know, just be at the whim of whatever the employer says because the employer has all the powers. Like, okay, well, if you don't like it, we'll, we'll fire you and go hire somebody else. Unions actually do a good thing. Now I'll say, I'll talk out of the other side of my mouth. I do recognize that there are some industries that there are some, um, you know, some jobs where um, maybe a union isn't necessary, but that didn't that didn't generally warehouses, <laughs> you know, you, and that's not that the type job. Of work. And yeah. that's not the job or the responsibility of the company to say where right. unions can and can't work and when they can and can't. That's up to the people to decide. That's up to the workers. Right. That's up to the people whose lives are affected by whether to unionize or not. And for companies and for politicians in this case to try to make the decision as to why unions can and can't work. That's not your job. And it makes you look foolish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One, one of the, the big things they always say for you know the companies, well, if you unionize, you're going to have these union dues and you're ultimately going to be making less money than you uh, would make if you weren't to unionize. That's and if you were to go back over the history of unions in the United States, has there ever been a time when an organization is unionized and the employees may, you know, made less that has happened. So they're not lying to you when they tell you that it is possible that that's not going 
going to be the case. But, I, you know, I'm looking at the number. They said that it's over 99 percent of the time. That's not the case. Um, right. You know, I want to go with that. It's like if something doesn't happen 99 percent of the time, chances are it's probably not going to happen. Is it possible? Yes. But it is probably not. So and it's, almost not it's not lightning yeah. when you walk out of the house, too. But, exactly. Right. Know, and most of the time, home. from what I can understand, unions, uh, people workers, employees aside in the UN unionize, it ain't all about just making more money. There's a whole myriad of reasons Absolutely. why they want yeah. to unionize. And it, it, it's usually more conditions than than yeah. money. Better working conditions. Uh, you know, they getting poisoned or ventilation right. or, you know, just dangerous. They just don't want to die right. <laughs> doing their job. Before unions, people were working seven days a week. Absolutely. Because the employer said no, we want you here every day. You know, people literally had no time off. They that had to go to their job every day. The weekend was because of unions. Didn't Upton <laughs> Sinclair write a whole book that sort of justified? Isn't that wasn't that the point of his book? Upton, yeah. like the the jungle, the asphalt jungle, or something like that. It was like the conditions that were so poor. You know, children could work in in factories and warehouses. If your arm got cut off, your arm you just didn't have an arm and didn't have any. You know restitution or repercussion like like unions serve their purpose they do and and folks need to stop acting like they're just trying to bully people into making um, management yeah bully right. management into giving them more money right. you know people literally just don't want to die doing their job so knock it off the jungle yeah i'm like there was yeah there was a whole book like we we all know what the deal is it's, it's just you know jeff bezos don't build one more rocket and, you know, do what you need to do for your people uh, uh, at, at your at your company on on this planet. And, and it's just knock it off. I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, guys, um, when we get to this next story, I, you know, I, I've wondered since the news of, uh, you know, the leak of uh, the brief out of the Supreme Court about Roe v. Wade, about what they're about to do to this. I wondered if there was going to be a tech angle. Um and clearly it looks like there is. And it's like, you know, is this something we want to talk about? Yeah, there's a tech angle to this. So we really need to talk about this. Yes, we do. So, Stephanie, go, why don't you tell us uh, how technology companies can be affected um, by the overturning of Roe v. Wade? So I want to first preface all of this by saying it doesn't really matter um, where you fall down on this on either side of this situation, um, you know, pro-life, pro-choice, pro-whatever uh, this the the privacy implications and ramifications of overturning Roe v. Wade should scare everybody and should I should at least concern everybody I'll put it that way um because what they're what they're doing now to try to um you know figure out who's who's obtaining these services you know all of the different things and I'm going to get into it in a little more detail but you know the 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 methods and the data collection methods and privacy invasive methods that they're using now to try to determine who is accessing these services is 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 highly highly problematic um, it just is. And, you know, they're getting these date, this data from these tech companies that collect this data. Uh, so, you know, that's what makes it a tech problem. Um, the fact that, you know, the, they can the, track the, you. 
Yeah, the information that we're given uh, the given Mm -hmm. away, and and that they may be tracking without our knowledge. We may not even be knowingly giving it all away. Um, They may be tracking without our knowledge. All kind of ways that data gets collected on the internet. Um, We should all be very very concerned with the tactics and the methods that the government is employing. And if Roe v. Wade gets repealed, it's just basically all bets are going to be off. At that point, once the states um, start, because basically what repealing Roe v. Wade will do is allow the states to make up their own rules um, about whether or not abortion should be legal and what steps and measures that they'll take, you know, to prosecute, to 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 charge, to, to resources, what, to, to mm-hmm. whatever. Like, you know, it, it's going to be up to each individual state to to make their own rules around this. And some states have already, you know, enabled Jump the dra- gun. <laughs> yes, and draconian, you know, mm-hmm. handmaid's tale type ish going on already is only going to get that much worse if uh, Roe v. Wade actually gets repealed. So um, I'm going to stop talking for a minute. I'm going to let y'all do it. But but like I said, I, I got a whole, I, I took a whole page of notes uh, on on what we can expect and, and the type of data infringement um, we can expect uh, if this goes through. Well, I remember last week that there was a tech story that came out from, I can't remember if it was Uber or Lyft, but it was, oh. it was one of the, both. Okay, so the rideshare mm-hmm. companies, where they basically have come out and said that if you are one of our drivers and you just so happen to take someone to, uh, you know, a clinic that where they may, you know, um, you know, get an abortion, we will support you legally all the way to the nth degree. And you said, well, so you think, well, why would we have to do that? Why would we have to say that? Well, because some of these laws are saying that simply dropping someone off at the abortion clinic, they can come after you. Right. You've assisted. Specifically, like in Texas, they specifically have done this. Yeah. Oklahoma. They specifically said, you know, people, if you, if you find somebody that assisted somebody in getting an abortion, you can legally sue them. So that goes to what Rob was saying to where uh, Uber and Lyft was like, Hey, you know, we know that's messed up. So we will help you in your legal, um, you know, representation, which goes back to Stephanie's issue. It's like, it ain't about, you just being pro-choice or being life or pro-life, you could just be minding your own business, driving Uber, earning your dropped, living, owning, earning your living, dropping somebody off. And because the technology, they're using tech and they're using data to track who may or may not be using services. You get caught up in the middle. Now you can't afford a lawsuit and you got to you got to pray that your company is maybe as nice as Uber and Lyft to help mm-hmm. you with legal funds, which they are, are not obligated to. So you caught up in the middle of this. You ain't got nothing to do with it. This just kind of goes to, again, try not to be uh, scare people to death. But this is the reality of things that can happen. And it's just bigger than. You just being pro-life or it's, pro-choice. It's way bigger. It's way it's bigger, bigger than that. Yeah. Uh, Saray makes a great point. If you take public transportation to an abortion clinic, are y'all suing y'all, city. y'all city right. public? Yeah. Are you suing the city for that? Like, right. you know, I don't think they thought this through. I think they just, you know, they, they're it's, like animals that smell blood in the water and they got their teeth sunk into getting rid of Roe v. Wade and, and are doing everything they can, um, to try to do. It. And the, the other thing about this that, that just, just irks my soul. There are very, very few quote unquote abortion clinics. Right. There are clinics that provide women's health care services that also happen to provide abortions. But there are very few places where the only thing they do in that building mm-hmm. is abortions. Very mm-hmm. few. You know, and, and, and my worry with this, in, in addition to the privacy and issues and everything else, is that somebody that, that needs health care, mm-hmm. um, that has nothing to do with pregnancy, birth, babies, or anything else mm-hmm. won't go get it because mm-hmm. they know somebody is going to track their location to a Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. know they stayed there for 45 minutes, which is the time it takes to do, I don't know how long it takes to do an abortion, but whatever the time it might take to do an abortion. And then maybe they they know because there there was just, actually it was this week, uh, Motherboard um, did a report that they were able, their reporter was able to go out on the open market and buy the data of women that and knew they were able to tell where they were coming from 
So if they were coming from home or work or whatever, how long they stayed at the clinic and where they went after they left the clinic. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, my home address or where I work, you know, I stayed at this clinic for half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. Maybe I had to pick up my prescription when Mm -hmm. I left. So I went to CVS. So you, so, so now you're piecing together all this circumstantial evidence to try to to try to make a case for the fact that I may or may not have had an abortion, but you've just tracked me throughout my whole day. That this, I, I just don't see how people don't see something wrong with that. I, 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 my brain can't put that together. So, so the tech angle of this, um, I'm picking out right out of this wired article that we're, you know, pulling a lot of this information from, um, April, 2017, Latisse Fisher, a woman from Mississippi arrived at a hospital suffering from a miscarriage. Uh, ultimately they ended up charging her with second degree murder. Uh, why did they do that? Because prosecutors used her search history. They went and actually got subpoenas for her search history and then they could see that, well, she actually was searching for ways to induce an abortion. Um, she was searching for, um, you know, a drug that actually would cause a miscarriage. So these are the things that she searched for. They actually looked at her purchase history. She, uh, you know, she, um, I'm going to say allegedly, cause I don't know if this is, is, is solved yet, but she allegedly may have actually purchased one of these drugs that will, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, potentially could cause a, a, a miscarriage. So because of these things, these things that they were able to get ultimately because of her phone and her Google search history and, you know, what she might have been looking at on Facebook, this kind of data, this technology that she was using, this is what they're coming back to. Uh, yeah, we're going to charge you with second degree murder and um like i said you know you, you said this very well uh, stephanie uh, doesn't really matter what side of this you fall on um you have to think about just the privacy implications that uh come into this when you know the government ultimately is going to go use all of your data to figure out whether or not you should be charged with a crime because you had an abortion. You should be charged with a crime because you dropped somebody off at a place where an abortion could be had. Because you should be charged with a crime because you picked somebody up at a place where they had an abortion and then took them home. These are all things that we now have to think about, and it's simply because of the data trails that we leave of behind. The data, even to so, the point of you know. Now, if for some reason you start getting ads in your Facebook feed for services, they can use that. Well, well, if you hadn't been looking for those services in the first place, you wouldn't be getting ads in your social media feeds for them. You know, that type of thing. You know, the idea that um, and I just I just totally let's see ads. And then I was there was another example of data manipulation and I totally just like, all right, y'all go ahead. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back around. <laughs> oh, 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 content moderation. So now what types of things will the platforms allow and not allow in conversation yeah. around this medical issue um, on their platforms? And, and I'm looking at you, Elon Musk, who, you know, has said that free speech should be absolute. You know, will you be censoring any any of this type of speech on your platform um, going forward, you know, it, if it if it's not illegal in every state, and you said you would you would let anything fly as long as it's not illegal, you know, will you be censoring this type of 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 content on your platform? It, it's it's going to really be interesting. It, it, right. it really is. It, it really is going to be interesting is to see how this works. Uh, you know, further, you know, down in this article, um, you know, just one of the statements is just m- it being made. You can't leave it to a technology company. Right. To be the arbiter of uh, of your truth. That's not how that should work, whether or not they turn over something or don't turn over something. Ultimately, we know Google is going to track you to the extent that they can because they want to sell you ads. Facebook is going to track you to the extent that they can because they want to sell you ads. Don't really know what Twitter's going to do going forward. But ultimately, today, they want to sell you ads. Um you know, so if they're doing it, they're tracking this data. Well, how long do they keep it? How anonymized is it? Um, you're going to you're going to really change how people think about, uh, you know, about data. We talk about you really should think about how your data is being stored. You really should think about that. But it always takes something major always to make people major. say, hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> I got it. This ain't going to work for me anymore. This ain't going to work. And this is the topic. 
that they might be able to do one on. This is my will tech respond when the bottom line is at stake, because mm-hmm. what's going to happen is people going to stop offering up data. They're going to get smart on how to prevent websites from tracking them and and, and they're going to get smart about ad blockers they're going to get smart about all of all those period tracker apps that they that they have subpoenaed information from as well they're going to stop using those all of these tech companies are going to see are going to feel the pinch of not having access to people's data because people are going to get smart about the fact that this is what they can do when mm-hmm. they have your data. It's basically creating almost a police state. You know what I mean? And 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 when when the when that ad revenue start start taking a nosedive, then we might see you know some changes in in place from from these tech companies. And hope people don't think we're just making stuff up. Mm-mm. And then we're just trying to scare people at all. Kind of not at all. This and is I, not. Go ahead. No, no. I just want to put a resource out there. Like I said, this ain't I'm wrong, I'm wrong line. However, this is actually good for anybody that really wants to start thinking um, smartly about your data and and how it's getting manipulated. There is a website called the Digital Defense Fund. Org. Go Digital Defense Fund. Digital Defense Fund. Org slash DDF dash guides slash abortion dash privacy. And there are a ton of different resources in there about how to turn off tracking, how to make sure location service is, n- is not enabled on your phone, how to, you know, change your mobile ad ID, how to use DuckDuckGo um, instead of, you know, Safari or Chrome. So these are things that anybody who cares about how their privacy is is being manipulated at this point can use. Um, but they make, they put it all in one place. The Electronic Frontier Foundation is another good website, EFF.org, um, talks a lot about privacy. So, you know, all we're saying is is do your research and and understand what is really happening out here at, as it relates to your data. Yeah, I remember back when uh, uh, Apple made the changes uh, on the iPhone as far as just, you know, they, they really killed a lot of just tracking With the ask, uh, by default. Ask, ask app not to track? Yes. That, that little um, thing, yeah. And, you know, and a lot of folks I just don't care. You know, it's like it's, it's cool that it does it, but they they truly just didn't care. But just what I've seen on Twitter in the last eight days, nine days, Apple, can you do that even more than you've already done it? I mean, th- th- this is something that people are wanting. Hey, Google, can you do what Apple did? Can you make it so that my phone doesn't track me at all? This this is what it's funny. I made all of my assistants just <laughs> came on when I said that. But uh, you know, this is what people are looking at now. It's like I don't want to be mm-hmm. tracked at all for at anything all. ever because of this one decision um, that you know that could come out. These this are some of the things deal, we've though. been saying. You guys need to pay attention to this stuff. You know, for the thirty three episodes that we did before today's thirty fourth episode. But this was the thing that is going to, uh, you know, you know, push, you know, you know, folks have now crossed that Rubicon. It's like, ah, nah, I want all this stuff turned off because even if, even if that is not an issue for me, I just don't want the government to be able to go and find out where I was at like that. It's like, you make them work harder. Don't let me, you know, (laughs) I don't want to snitch on myself. That's right. I mean, I don't, I don't want to snitch on myself and I'm not advocating, well, turn these things off so you can go out and commit crimes, but it's like, no, it's, my, it's not the, not the business of the government I to know where I was at. I don't at. need you knowing all my business. That's all. Terrence, what do you think about VPNs? Charles asked a question about, um, if VPNs were a good idea in this issue. Well, I mean, on, on their, on their face, they do exactly what you think they do. They protect you from, Knowing your location, that's just on the, on like the general, what people understand is browsing history. Right, right. You put a VPN in front of your uh, router or behind a router, however it works. And then it pretty much you can, you can mask for lack of a better term, your locations. Uh, uh, A good idea would be like if you're over, like if you or any of us are traveling overseas and we want to watch American television. We can turn on the VPN, put in our location as United States, and then boom, it'll give us the, the American YouTube, the American Netflix, the American, you, you know, yada, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But what that also does is if you are, you know, concerned about who's tracking you, your location, your location history, things of that nature, amongst the other, a myriad of other things. But since, you know, for 
since we're talking about location as it relates to this particular story, that would be a good use of a VPN. Again, they're super affordable nowadays. You know, you pay what, five, eight, maybe $10 a month. You can, you know, install it on, you know, your, your laptop, your iPad, your tablet, your smartphone, your desktop, whatever the case may be. And it just gives you that extra layer of, okay, I want to make sure that my data is as secure as possible. This is one of the ways that I know for a fact that it's something I can control. We can't necessarily control everything because we're in a technologized society, right? So you're not going to be able to 100% foolproof, keep yourself off the grid. But if there's something you can do, starting with something like, you know, and putting a VPN and it's not a piece of hardware, it's, you know, software, you know, oh, well, let me not say 100%, you know, you can buy routers and firewalls that have this technology built in, but there are a lot of companies that offer uh, VPN services to where it's just a down- software download. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's it, there's some VPNs that are even built into browsers, yeah. uh, you know, like, and then in, Tor, in addition right? to VPNs. Tor has a Tor is mm-hmm. kind of like a VPN on its own. Um, the, the Tor T O R browser, um, and it, it's going to mask your IP address, Charles, so that people won't be able to know where you went on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, in the case of the young woman that that Rob talked about um, from 2017, that that you know they they used her search history um, on Google because she had searched for these different types of drugs and information on these different types of drugs. So, um, a VPN would prevent them from being able to do that and from being able from them being able to find that kind of information. And then, um, you know, th- this is a browser that I just recommend to people generally: um, the uh, Brave browser. B-R-A-V-E It is designed from the ground up to just obfuscate everything that you do. Now it's not a VPN, so I don't want I don't want to conflate those two things. But it's like when you when you when you use that browser, it's like it's like Uber incognito mode on pretty much every other browser, but you don't have to turn it on. It it just does that. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I, you know, I use Brave not as a browser, I use it almost as an application. Um Completely changing subjects from, you know, this, you know, Roe v. Wade stuff. But one of the reasons why I use it is that I actually do, you know, some crypto stuff uh, and I have software wallets. Well, I don't want to do that in Chrome. I don't want to do that in Firefox. I do it in Brave because I use Brave like an application. When I need to go to my wallet, I use this one browser that I know is not tracking me any kind of way um, as compared to where Chrome kind of is, you know, um, you know, um, Firefox kind of is a little bit less. Safari mm-hmm. kind of is a little bit less than what Chrome is, but you know, so, so I go and use that browser. So there are things like that. You know, I would just recommend that everyone should probably go out and like something, not necessarily trying to give a uh, brave a commercial, but they got some dope stuff that, you know, what they're doing with their browser. If you are concerned about, you know, just, you know, being tracked and all that kind of stuff, check their browser out. It, it helps out an awful lot with that. We need to reach out to some of these VPN companies, get us a sponsorship. I'm about to download Brave um, right now. <laughs> just, just get a good one. Like I said, I, you know, I, I use, uh, Nord. I've been using them for years. It's not the only one. There are many others, but, uh, but yeah, you know, you, you can give yourself a bit of, uh, protection by just obfuscating who you are, where you're from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some other cool things like Taryn said, it's like if you're overseas and you still want to watch the the next version of Star Trek, <laughs> you could VPN from here and actually do that. I'm we'll pretty have sure to this have a, We'll have to have another episode on right. these techniques to protect your privacy online, on your phone, um, you know, location, all that, all of that information. We need to, we need to make that, our main story of an, of a future episode just to d- do a deeper dive into, you know, some of these tools, some of the implications and, and, and different things like that. So stay tuned, y'all. We got mm. that coming on deck. Sounds like we have some show ideas for maybe 35, 36, or 37. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe let me, I have to think about finding a security expert, um, that we can get in here as a guest. Oh. Oh, yeah, we need to get something like that. We got to get a we got to get a little cybersecurity John in in the building. Yeah. All right, y'all. So we are to that part of the show. One of one of my favorite segments of the Tech John, where we are going to do the Tech John spotlight. Uh, I just I just love going and finding these uh, things out. So the the person we're going to cover in today's spotlight before I actually start doing this read, her name is uh, Jam, uh, Janet Emerson um, uh, Bashin. Uh, she is from down the road. She was born in Mansfield, Ohio. So some of my people know some of her people 
And it was one, it was actually one of my cousins who listens to us, you know, who listens to the show and is a patron on the show said, Hey, uh, this is my, uh, my grandmother's, uh, you know, my, my grandmother's cousin or something like that, that, uh, you should actually talk about. So let me go ahead and read this. So this week's spotlight is on Janet Emerson Bashan, the first African American woman to be granted a web-based software patent in the United States. Born in Mansfield, Ohio in 1957, Janet Rita Emerson is the daughter of a garbage collector, James Lucker Emerson Sr., and registered nurse Ola May Emerson, and spent much of her early life in segregated Huntsville, Alabama. Janet attended Alabama a and M until she married and relocated to Houston, Texas, where she now resides. Bastion's educational background includes a degree in legal studies and government from the University of Houston and postgraduate studies at Rice University, Jesse H. Jones Graduate School of, of Administration. Bastion is also a graduate of Harvard University's Women in Power, Leadership in a New World Symposium. Bastion is currently pursuing her LLM from Northwestern California University Law School. And we say uh, continuing, yes, yeah, she's in her mid sixties, but she's still going to school, you know, still trying to get this stuff out. But uh, after graduating from the university of, of Houston, she worked for an insurance company handling claims related to equal employment opportunities. She thought that if you hire independent investigators to assess such claims, they would be more impartial. Bastion would later receive a $5,000 loan from her mother in 1994 and began her own company, Bastion corporation to investigate discrimination claims filed by employees. As her company grew, Bastion became aware of the need for better ways of storing and accessing the data related to claims with her cousin donnie moore a tufts university computer science graduate bastion began developing software which was the genesis for the software link line in january 2006 bastion was awarded a patent number 6985922b1 making janet emerson bastion the first african-american woman to earn a web-based software patent becoming part of an elite group of african-american inventors um, and scientists so once again this is not somebody's at all she's 65 right she she she's still going to school. She's still out there, you know, learning. Our people but it's still like, up the street from y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's like when, when you think about that, it's like software companies have not been around that long in the grand scheme of things. But just the fact that, you know, the software companies have been around a long time before 2006. So the first time that a black woman gets a patent in software is 2006. That is crazy. You know, that, that's just a few minutes ago. In the, in the grand scheme of things. So yes. it's, it's just kind of interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to do this because like I said, I know someone who knows someone who knows her. And, uh, you know, that's, what's that? Two degrees of separation, uh, three degrees oh, of separation. Said, but listen, uh, we got to get her on the show. Holla at your peoples. We're going to try. We, we, we definitely going to try. Hey, oh, here's a, here's another note. So, uh, you know, she has a daughter. Her daughter is married to, uh, oh, he, he is a, uh, Guard for Danny Green. His daughter and her daughter's married to Danny Green from. Bernice, uh, he, need, he need to be doing a better job at his job. <laughs> but that's a side note. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to what and this is a, this going to totally take us on a tangent, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, it says Bastion would later receive a five thousand dollar loan from her mother to start her own company. Mm-hmm. That to me screams of generational wealth. Everybody is talking about how, you know, um, these tech startups, you know, you think of your, I mean, the popular people like um, uh, Elon Musk and uh, Bezos, how they started their companies rig- originally by getting 250 and $300,000, an exorbitant amount of startup capital mm-hmm. from their parents. Meanwhile, We've got uh, uh, Miss Emerson, uh, or Miss Bashan. Let me let me say her name right. Five thousand dollar loan, and that just to me, that just it just emphasizes the the head start right. that some mm-hmm. people have had right. when it comes to creating businesses, creating lives, and generating yeah. wealth. To where in nineteen ninety four, she not I'm gonna say she can only get five thousand dollars, but I'm pretty sure. Five thousand dollar loan from her mother was all the money to, she right, right what they were able to to spare right yeah, right I, right I remember back when uh, Mitt Romney was running for president 
Mm-hmm. And he just casually said, well, yeah, you could get like a $250,000 loan from your parents to, to pay for school. And it's like, bro, who, whose parents, what, what parents do is doing that? Like, what a, we what probably a, have a lot of listeners who are saying, it's like, man, she got five G's from her, from her mom. Right. So, so if you think about it, um, you know, Mrs. Bashan is 65 years old. Um, her parents, were probably the first generation to do really, you know, to, to, to do well. Her mother is a registered nurse. Her father was a garbage collector. Now people are saying he's just a garbage collector. No garbage collector. That's a good job. That, that is a good, honest day's work. And them dudes made, they made good money. They got great benefits. So, so she probably had a nice middle, um, class upbringing and her mom was able to give her five G's. Mm-hmm. You, do you know the difference between five G's and 250 G's? It, it 245 be, G's. It, it must be a privilege to have <laughs> yeah. that type of money. So, so yeah, that, that is, that is an excellent observation. But no, we, we, we've got to give her her shine. Um, she is, you no know, and, and I thought, well, well she, she she's not as big G's off work. into tech. She's yeah. not, not as big off into tech as everybody else, but here's what she did. She does what sisters do. Man, you know what? We can, there's got to be a better way to do this. Let me call my homie up. Let me call my cousin up. Let, let's let's figure out how to create <laughs> some software that will actually allow us to do this job that her company does in a more effective and better way. And lo and behold, uh, you know, this turned into that. That turned into a patent, and the patent turned into you know software that her company to this day is still selling and still using. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Black girl magic. So, y'all, at the end of our shows, we always like to do a shout out to our uh, patrons. We did not have any new patrons this week, but we did have three patrons who actually gave us, uh, you know, a, a raise. Uh, their names Ooh. are Sharice D, uh, Malcolm um, McDonald, and I, th- I thought I knew that, that person from somewhere, and... Um, just a random person. So this is not a, this is not an increase. This is someone who is not an actual patron. They just did like a one-time donation to the show. Um, and their name is Beatrice Simpkins. So we have to, you have to thank, you know, all three of them. We appreciate y'all. Yeah. So like I said, we didn't get anybody new, but the folks is rolling with us. Say, no, we're going to give you more. And then Beatrice, just I just want to donate to the show, uh, you know, just this one time. So we we appreciate everything that we get uh, so that we can put this show in front of you guys and talk to you about tech the way that we talk to you about it. But that brings us to the end, y'all. So uh, as we wrap up, Tech Life Steph, why don't you tell the folks how they can get to you? Company. see if anybody recognizes that little ditty <laughs> um you can follow me all around the web at tech life Steph, and check out my website at till death you tweet.com hey you can find me everywhere on the internet at brother tech and i am at rob dunwood on all the things and we are also at the tech john on all the things so come and check us out uh i have been trying to use twitter a lot lately even even with what's going on with twitter so i have not jetted yet but uh we'll see so i'll just say this, going if, there's, <laughs> if there's someplace else the folks is hanging out let me on twitter where that place is i'll show up so until we meet next week y'all peace peace ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 